This fall, we've been looking, as, uh, as you, you probably know, we've been looking at passages where Jesus shared a meal with, uh, with people. In some of those, uh, those meals, he, he taught them new truths. In, in others, he condemned them for sinful actions. Uh, there were times when he granted forgiveness. Some, sometimes when he, uh, when he healed people. There were times when he, he spoke loudly. There were times when he drew people in and spoke softly. Every time Jesus gathered, uh, with, with a meal, uh, around a meal, he was, uh, he was connecting with people. It wasn't about the food. Uh, as, as I told you, the very first week of this, uh, this series, if Jesus had a smartphone, uh, he, he wouldn't have uh, paused uh, right before he ate to take a picture of the food. If he paused right before he ate, it would have been to gather everyone together and take a picture of the people he was sharing that meal with. So the uh, the past two weeks we've looked at uh, the, the Last Supper, and you'd think that would be the end of this series, right? Because it's the... Last Supper, but it's 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 not the uh, the the end. Uh, the Last Supper. Uh, this this was the Last Supper. That was the Last Supper when Jesus was betrayed. Uh, right before he was betrayed, it was the Last Supper before he was beaten, before he was nailed to a Roman cross, before he died an excruciating death. But it wasn't the end because he didn't stay dead. It was a little bit like the trouble that um, that that that. They had recently at a funeral in in Detroit. Maybe you've heard the story. It was a great loss uh, recently to the entertainment world. Uh, just a couple of years ago, I think several years ago, Larry LaPrize uh, died at the age of 83. Maybe you recognize that name. Maybe you don't. The man that that uh, that wrote the, the 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 famous song, the Hokey Pokey. It was, uh, you know, the, he died peacefully. Everything was, uh, he, had, he had lived a full and a happy life. The trouble came when they were putting him in the casket and they put his left leg in. And <sighs> I like that one. It's a little morbid, but I like that one. Now, uh, as far as I know, Larry LaPrize did indeed stay dead, not like Jesus. How, it, it does remind me, getting a little more serious here, it does remind me of a story I heard about a man who was in Chicago at the Art Institute of Chicago, and he's looking at the, the paintings that were displayed there in the art gallery, and he's, he was standing in front of a large painting uh, uh, de- depicting the uh, Jesus on the cross. And, uh, and it was a Renaissance master's, uh, painting and, and just a, a, a an amazing, uh, picture of what this artist, uh, saw that, uh, that, that was going on at that, uh, at that time, Jesus' death for us. He's standing there looking and this, this little boy came up, uh, next to him and was standing there looking at the painting too. And the, the man, uh, looking at the, the painting decided or thought, I, I wonder if this boy really knows what he's looking at. Uh, I wonder if he really knows the significance of this. So he said, uh, son, uh, do you know what this painting's about? And the boy said, don't you know? That's Jesus. And those people around him there, they, they killed him. They killed him until he was dead. And the man, took that in and yeah, this, this kid knows what he's talking about. And he had been at the painting a while, so he turned and started to walk away. And, uh, and, and the boy uh, hollered after him and, and he said, but, but sir, you have to know, you have to know, he didn't stay dead. He didn't stay dead. And that's the truth of the gospel. Jesus died, but he didn't stay dead. It was the last supper before his death 
and also before his resurrection. And so there are a couple of meals, uh, that, that at least a couple of meals that took place that we have record of in Scripture uh, after Jesus' death and resurrection. Not everyone was convinced of this, though, right? Not everyone was convinced of, of Jesus' resurrection, not right away, at least. Luke 24, beginning in verse 13, uh, we, we find the story of two men who had uh, who had been following Jesus, probably for some time, and yet in this story, they're heading in the other direction. They were They were giving up on it all. They, they had seen Jesus, the, the, the one that they thought was the Savior of the world. They had seen him nailed to a cross and laid in a tomb. It kind of take the wind out of your sails, wouldn't it? And, and despite reports that they'd heard that the body was gone and angels were saying that, that, that he was alive, they weren't convinced. They actually had been arguing, Scripture says there, they had been arguing along the road. Uh, if you go to the original language, it says, it describes it as animated and heated conversation. So they're having this animated and heated conversation as they walked the couple of hours down the road uh, to, uh, to Emmaus on that Sunday afternoon. And then Jesus caught up to them. They didn't recognize him. Now that was, that was common. Uh, Mary, if, if you've uh, read any in the book of John, when, when uh, Mary encountered Jesus, uh, she thought he was a gardener. And uh, when, uh, when, when Peter and the other disciples will talk about their breakfast on the beach with Jesus next week, but they didn't recognize him at first either, just this guy over there. And then they finally, right, so it, was, it wasn't uncommon that they wouldn't necessarily recognize him. But, but so they started to share with, with him uh, what was going on. But it wasn't until they sat down at dinner with with Jesus, that their eyes were opened and they recognized him. By the end of the story, verse 32 says, as, as uh, uh, they depicted there in the video, their hearts had been burning within them as he taught them along the road. Got me thinking about burning hearts. Uh, what, it's, it's an interesting word picture. What does that conjure up? It, 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 what, what does that mean? Well, sometimes we think of this kind of that warm feeling that maybe you think about a kid all dressed up in his, uh, in his jammies at nighttime and, and, uh, snuggled down in his bed and it's that warm, fuzzy feeling. I don't think that's, uh, that's where these burning heart, that's not what these guys were feeling. Maybe it's that, that, that warmth that we feel when we feel connected with someone and there's a, there's a, there's a relationship there and, and everything's on track and, and we're just kind of feel connected there and there's that warm feeling inside that maybe gets us there a little bit but 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 I think it's it's different I believe that these uh, these these burning hearts within them could be described as I don't know we could use a word maybe like conviction or peace or confirmation or faith, or maybe all of those things rolled into one. Basically, they had confirmation in their soul, in their heart of hearts, that Jesus was speaking truth, that what he was saying was right, and it was the truth. Uh, what they were hearing made sense. Their eyes were open to the real, honest-to-goodness truth from the Bible, and it melted their hearts. I think it might help us to understand what burning hearts are by thinking about uh, what, what it's like when your heart is not burning. Cold, dark, lacking purpose, uh, maybe selfish or hopeless. These travelers, that's what their hearts had kind of been like. They've been traveling along that road and, and they'd experiencing, been experiencing all those things. They were, they were hopeless. They were, they were depressed. They were, they were downcast. Uh, why? Well, Jesus, they thought, was the answer and he hadn't come through for them the way that he that they wanted him to. Verse 21 there in, in Luke 24 says that they, quote, had hoped. They had hope. Past tense. They had had hope. 
that Jesus would redeem Israel. In other words, they hoped that Jesus was the one, and by being the one, they hoped that that Jesus was the one who was going to come in and overthrow Rome and make it good to be a Jew again. But because Jesus hadn't performed the way they wanted, they were arguing along the road, and they were heading back to their hopeless life. I don't know how long they had been following Jesus, part of this this crowd. They They weren't two of the 12 disciples, but they were some who had been following Jesus for a while. So they had left their normal lives and had been following, and now they're going back to this uh, to this life, to their uh, kind of hopeless lives. They, they, they weren't following Jesus anymore because their Jesus, the Jesus that they thought was going to do this, this, and this, was now, was no more. And things looked dark and cold. And because they had a, a limited, even maybe a selfish understanding of what Jesus was going to do, uh, things seemed hopeless. And, and I guess we have to, I, I think we have to try to put ourselves there. And for some of us, it doesn't take very much to put ourselves, because that's where we are. We're living without much hope, without much direct. Maybe God hasn't come through for you the way you think he should have or, or the way you want him to or, or what makes sense in your world. And, and you've, you've, you've hoped and you dreamed that, that this would happen and, and it hasn't. And maybe the opposite has happened and you had hoped in Jesus, but he's let you down. Things didn't happen the way you wanted them to. And I, and I think that happens because we can say that we're hoping in Jesus, but I think a lot of times we're hoping in what Jesus can provide. We're hoping in what we want to happen. And when that doesn't happen, we realize that our hopes were misplaced. But it's not, uh, not that we've put our hope in God and he's let us down. It's that we've put our hope in something less than God. And every time that will let us down. Milton Burrow tells a story about misplaced hope. Four widows were playing cards in their retirement home, and a, and a good-looking man walked in uh, with, uh, with a suitcase and set it down and looked around, and, and these four uh, widows uh, playing cards stopped their playing and, and, and saw him, and, and one of them said, well, what's a good-looking guy like you doing in a place like this? And he said, I'm moving in. And one of the other ladies said, well, where are you from? And he said, well, I've been in the can for the last 15 years. And one of the ladies said, the can? He said, yeah, the can, the clink, the slammer, the state pen. And, and the lady said, well, what were you in for? And he said, oh, I murdered my wife. I poisoned her and then I buried her in the backyard and there was a long pause. And then one of the ladies said, so you're single. <laughs> Misplaced hope. Right? We have to be careful not to put our hope in the wrong things. When we have misplaced hope, we get let down and, and then we lose hope. I, I have to tell a story about, uh, uh, about our, our house uh, many years ago. Uh, Nick, I didn't clear this with you, but I'm tell, telling a story. I hope that's all right. All right. Quite a few years ago, uh, it used to be uh, common that Nick would get very upset if he lost something. Remember that, Nick? Well, I'm getting to that. So, uh, so we'd start looking high and low, you know, everywhere, looking all over for whatever it was that he lost. And probably a good 45 seconds to a minute into this whole thing, I, Nick would utter the phrase. He would get this, oh, and then he'd say, it's hopeless. 
as if, you know, everything... Now, it wasn't hopeless. Probably it just meant that we needed to clean his room. Uh, and uh, usually, almost every time, we found what we were looking for in a matter of minutes. But, but in his young mind, you know, five, six, seven, eight years old, it was hopeless. And I remember saying, uh, and using that, I think, as, a, as an instructional time. I don't know whether any of it sank in or not. But I remember saying more than once a truth that I think we all need to hear. Uh, maybe not in, in just looking for something, but in our lives, we need to realize. And, and what I told Nick, I said, Nick, this is not hopeless. And then I said, there are no hopeless situations. As long as there is God, there is hope. Now, that's a, a spiritual truth. Maybe it's a little trivial when you're looking for a stuffed animal you can't find, but it transcends all of that. As long as there is God, there is hope. Things might not turn out the way you think they should. Things might not turn out uh, in the time that you should, uh, in, in the time that you think they should, but there's always hope if God is on the throne. All it takes is once. All it takes is once to uh, to spark hope in us. Um, again, years ago, we used to have a beagle. Uh, Abby was her name. She is no longer with us. I don't know whether we should God rest her soul or not. She was not all that great. I, I'm, I'm just kidding. She was great. She just wasn't all that holy, I don't think. I, anyway, um, we were adamant for the first three years, literally the first three years that we had Abby, uh, we were adamant we were not going to give her table scraps. They, uh, uh, when, when we got her and then the vet, they just said, don't do that, just don't even start, don't even go there, and, and we didn't forever. For three years, we did not do that until one night, and I believe it was probably me, and I gave in. She's just so cute sitting there, and I mean, who can, and so just a little, just a little bite, and that's all it took. <laughs> From that moment on, we could not have a meal in peace without Abby being... Well, we had to crate the dog up most of the time while we ate because she was just right there all the time. Uh, there were there, I remember times when, uh, when, when we would... Uh, maybe somebody came to the door or something. Anyway, we were cleaning, uh, cleaning the table off, whatever, come back in the room. Uh, maybe we had to go come back. Dog standing on the table, eating the leftover. You know, it's just... Uh, I mean, she got a hold of a... a, a somehow got the the wrapper from the bread off of the counter and came through and she had eaten the loaf of bread, including half the wrapper, which, which we found later, by the way. But um, all it took was once, one time, <laughs> to spark that hope in, uh, in that dog. That happens with, with a lot. I remember... Uh, Good, uh, nice warm day, maybe in, in the spring at school, uh, I, specifically in, in, uh, I, I remember, I can see it right now, and, and we'd come in, and if, if the teacher had ever, ever taken us outside for, uh, for part of the, 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 the day for that, for the, then every day since that, after that, we would say, can we go outside? Can we go? If the teacher had ever shown a video or, a, or a movie in class, every day we'd come in, uh, can we watch a video? There was one, just took one time, we knew it was possible, and now we have hope. We do that during ball games because no matter how far your team is down, uh, we've, we've seen it happen. They, they come back. Well, okay, not the Browns, but everybody else. We've seen it. It's possible. 
I, it happens when, uh, wherever we are, whatever, it, it happens, maybe a, a, a kid has, has had the taste of dessert at some point or, or going out for ice cream. And so there's that hope that after dinner, maybe, just maybe this might happen. All it takes is once the taste, the possibility to spark hope within us. And hope then can ignite our hearts. I think like these men on the road to Emmaus, our, our hopelessness many times comes from failing to recognize that Jesus has done it. it just takes once. To recognize that Jesus is walking with us. These, these guys on the, on the road to Emmaus didn't believe Mary and, and some of the other accounts. And so they were kind of arguing back and forth and didn't know what's this all about. And, and they didn't recognize that this person walking with them was Jesus himself. They had hoped. But their hope was gone because things didn't turn out like they wanted. But as they would soon find out, hope can be awakened. And and it actually turned into a fire within them because Jesus was alive. As long as God is God, there are no hopeless situations. Dinner with Jesus showed them that. And so as I think about that and uh, think about what these guys experienced, I, w- I want my heart to burn within me. I, I-, I want to sense that hope and that-, and that passion and that conviction and that peace that only comes from God himself. And so, so as I look at this story, I think there are several things that, that-, that we, can- we can see that-, uh, that helped these men to have these hearts burning within them. The first thing that we need to do is to let Jesus show you, show you your need. As these guys walked with Jesus, he awakened them to exactly how far they'd fallen away. Uh, you almost get this stern, uh, Jesus almost seems pretty stern and, come on, what's the deal? Don't you get it? Uh, it, it today we, we'd call it being convicted of, of sin. It's that sinking feeling down in your gut that trying to, to suppress maybe and, uh, until you take care of it, it, it always comes back and always comes drifting back up for you. I, for, for you, I, I don't know what it is, uh, or, or, or what God is dealing with you at different times. Maybe it's, uh, a step that you need to, need to take in your relationship with Him. Maybe it's something sinful that, uh, that, that, that you are, uh, trying to hide or, or push to the side. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's a relationship that needs to be mended and he's, he's urging you to take the first step in order to bring reconciliation there. Maybe it's a, a habit that needs to be changed. Maybe it's a lifestyle that needs to be overhauled. Maybe it's something that needs to be obeyed, something you need to step into, a step you need to take, or maybe it's something you need to stop doing. Uh, Jesus will show us our need. If we're going to have that burning heart of hope within us, we need to recognize, we need to truly listen to that, uh, that, that, that voice that convicts us that we're not on track with him. But in the midst of that, uh, that happens as we, number two, let Jesus show us the truth. Jesus took the remainder of that trip. Uh, they said in the video, seven miles. Uh, it was, uh, you know, a couple of hours from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And, and he, it says in, in Scripture, he explained to them what was said in the Scriptures concerning himself. Amazing Bible study time with Jesus himself. Amazing. He took their Bible at the time, right? Moses and the prophets, it says. And so the book of Moses would be the book of the law, the first five books of our Old Testament. Uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. He, 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 he took that and then the book of the prophets. So books of the prophets. So we've got, uh, that throughout the Old Testament as well. You've got, you've got Isaiah and Jeremiah and, uh, you've got, you got the, uh, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, right? Whew. Whew. 
You know, these days they have the table of contents in the front. I guess you don't have to. But back in the day in Sunday school, I got points and a star sticker for that, learning that. Jesus took their Bible and he revealed truth to them like they'd never heard it before. He probably start, could have started clear back in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, where, where God was explaining to Adam and Eve and, uh, and, and the serpent and he was explaining to them that, 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 that Eve's offspring would have an injury on his heel, a, a non-life-threatening injury, but that Satan would be crushed in the end. And how that came true on that Good Friday and that day, Easter Sunday, as Jesus uh, was, was crucified and Satan thought that that was the end, but it was a non-life-threatening injury and Jesus uh, raised from the dead. Uh, Jesus walked through the, I don't know his, uh, his curriculum or, or the line that, that he took, but he walked through all of the ways that Scripture talked about who he was and how he fulfilled that. He explained all those ways that God had been looking forward to that day. And how they had missed it. It gets me thinking that the, the, the number one way that we are going to be able to follow Jesus closely is to allow him to reveal the truth to us. And, and that doesn't happen by accident. It happens as we seek after it. We have, we don't necessarily have Jesus walking along the road with us uh, in person today, but we have his word, the Bible. We have the book of Moses and the prophets, and a whole lot of other stuff in there. We have the New Testament telling us about Jesus and the early church and, and, uh, and the letters that, that Paul wrote to all those churches that he, uh, he had planted in the theology that's there. And, and, and it tells a story from cover to cover of a loving God who did not leave us in our sin but provided for uh, our salvation through Jesus Christ. And we will not know the truth if we do not spend the time in the truth book, the Bible. That happens when we gather in a place like this. Obviously, a central part of, of what we do here in a worship service is to open the, open the truth, right? And to, to look at, at scripture and what it has to say to us. It happens as we gather for, uh, uh study groups in, uh, Sunday school classes or, or Bible study or, or growth groups and, and we open God's word and we discuss what it has to say. It happens as we spend time daily in God's word and we allow Him to to reveal his truth to us personally, intimately. As you do that, your heart will burn more and more with the knowledge of God. Maybe, maybe you've had the same experience I have at times when you're in a, in a church service and the, and the preacher's preaching and it feels like, uh, he knew exactly what you were walking through and he's just preaching straight at you. And, uh, and, and, and I've felt that and, and that's the, that's that Holy Spirit taking the word of God and, and, Shoving it right into your heart, right where you need it most. Maybe you've been reading uh, through Scripture daily. You are reading through Scripture daily, right? If you're not, do it. <laughs> you're, you're not going to have the truth of, of God implanted in your, in your life if that's not a habit. If, if it's not a habit, start. there's so many... I mean, I almost, the YouVersion app is... Uh, I mean, they're, they're tracking you now. I mean, they're keeping track of how many days. You miss a day, boom, back to none. They go, oh, you've, you've encountered God's word seven, seven days in a row. And then you miss a day, oh, you're back. It's, it's almost like falling off the cart. But there is so many things to help keep us on track. We don't have an excuse not to, except that we get busy and we go boom, 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 and all of a sudden we're, and, and if it's not a priority, it won't happen. You are spending, if, maybe you've 
been like me and you've been reading scripture and maybe some days it's just like, okay, I did it so my version app wouldn't yell at me. But then maybe you're reading and some days it's like it was written right for your life and it hits you not just in your head but in your heart and, and all of a sudden your heart is burning within you because of the truth of, of scripture as the Holy Spirit has revealed that to you. That's, that's what's happening in this, in this story. Jesus is explaining truth to them and it's changing their entire outlook, their entire life. And it can happen for us too. We have to let Jesus show us the truth. He shows us our need and he shows us the truth. We also have to let Jesus walk with us. These guys were walking. Jesus came up to them. I've said it before in this series. I'm sure I'll say it again. It's worth repeating. Jesus is seeking after us. It's not that he's hiding from us and we have to go jump through all these hoops in order to find him. God is at work in your life long before you know that God is at work in your life. He is pursuing us. Jesus pursued those men along the road and uh, came up to them. And uh, once he did, they made the choice to walk with him. It wasn't just a, hey, how you doing? And we're going to move on because we're deep in conversation and we're arguing with each other. But Jesus is always seeking, but he'll never force himself on you. You have to choose to walk with him. You have to, to choose to have him walk with you. And he will go on without you if you don't ask him to stay. And that's number four is not just to walk with you for a little bit, but to remain with you. These these travelers, these guys on the road to Emmaus, urged Jesus. They came to the fork in the road, right? And they were heading this way, and Jesus acted like he was going this way. And they said, no, stay with us. Stay with us. Many people, I think, do a Jesus drive-by. Drop into church every once in a while, uh, feel convicted a little bit, maybe even start changing a few things here and there. Maybe it lasts a few days or a few weeks, but 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 they haven't really ever chosen to remain with Jesus. Here's a secret. I can't quote a verse... Um, Jesus, Jesus doesn't do drive-bys. Uh, he desires us to remain with him. A deep relationship. Walking with Jesus, following him, is a lifelong commitment, not just a one-time event. It's a life-changing decision to remain with Jesus, to invite him to, to remain with you. When I was in, uh, in, in seminary, I was also serving as a, a youth pastor at a, at a church in Independence, Missouri, just outside of Kansas City. And uh, we had a, it was a, a newer church building and um, uh, great, great church uh, grounds, probably about the same uh, uh, size as, as, as what we have here. It had a, a, a hill out back and had a, somebody had put in a, a great softball diamond. So our church hosted the soft, church softball league every year. And, and it was, it was great. Good, good high quality everything. Except when you went out the back door and you headed right, there was this broken sidewalk heading up to the barn. You remember the barn. So the barn was there long, long before the church was ever there. For some reason, they left it up, and uh, the, the barn had been used. You could tell at some point, people had met in it sometimes. Um, the barn had been used for nesting for various, uh, various uh, wildlife. Um, uh, it was also used for some long-term storage, uh, which wasn't the best because it wasn't exactly weather tight. But anyway, uh, through the, as we, we came there and the youth group began to grow and we kind of outgrew the space in, in the church and, and didn't really have the funds to, to do anything other than, uh, well, what do we do? Well, we could meet in the barn. 
Well, we had a work day so that the teens could meet in the barn. And we cleaned out a whole lot of, whole lot of stuff. We'll leave it there at stuff. But uh, there was, uh, and, and they had, I mean, they had a pot belly stove. And I remember starting fires before Sunday school once we got in there because that was the heat for out there. It was great. Um, learn a lot when you go through things like that. Anyway, we're cleaning this out. We got this, uh, this work day and cleaning things out. And there's old files and there's old, uh, oh, just church, you know, churches gather stuff all the, all, uh, over the years. And, and, and so just all this stuff and, and we're cleaning things out. And, and I can remember, uh, coming across one day as, as we're cleaning stuff out, out fell this frisbee. And written across the frisbee in faded red lettering, it says, <laughs> not making this up, give Jesus a whirl. Wish I'd save that frisbee because I just give Jesus a whirl. And, and as I reflected on that, I thought, you know what? I'm not, I don't think I believe in that theology. <laughs> because you don't give Jesus a whirl, you give him your life. It's a, it's a long-term commitment. Walking with Jesus, remaining in Him is a lifelong thing that culminates in dinner with Jesus for all eternity. As we walk, as we get closer to Him, as we let Him uh, show us our need, as we, as we let Him show us the truth, uh, we let Him shape our character and, and, and we, and we change and grow more and more like Him and grow closer and closer and closer to Him. The road that Jesus, uh, that, that, that road where we start down with Jesus, it starts with, uh, a moment of decision, but it, it's a continuous process for a lifetime. These men uh, on this road to Emmaus sat down to dinner with Jesus that evening. And after an amazing, educational, emotional, inspiring trip with him, their eyes were opened and he, uh, they recognized him. He disappeared because his work was, was done and he was moving on, uh, to, uh, to other places and other things as he's revealing himself to other people in the, in that time frame between his resurrection and ascension. But they, 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 they recognized who he was and, and what they had taught him and how their lives would never be the same. And, and they jumped up and they ran a couple of hours back to Jerusalem to share the amazing news that Jesus was indeed alive. It wasn't over. Hope was, was, was there. It wasn't hopeless anymore. Not a hopeless situation. Following Jesus isn't easy. It certainly takes effort, it certainly takes commitment, it certainly takes perseverance, and, and sometimes it's confusing and we don't understand what's going on, but it, it's an amazing experience as we walk with him. And it brings purpose to, and it brings hope to our lives. With God, there are no hopeless situations. Let's pray together. Father God. We pray that you who can see each heart would, would speak to us. You know the places where we've lost hope or we're losing hope or we're not quite sure where to turn or what to do. You know us intimately better than we know ourselves. Lord, I pray that you can, you can challenge us today. Challenge us to, to seek after you. To allow you to to speak truth into our lives, to allow you to, uh, to open us up to, to our need, to what might need to change. Allow you to spark hope within us. 
Lord, I, I pray that, that as we go from here today, we can go knowing that there, there is a God, that he is, he is on the throne, he is in charge, and we can trust you. And even when we can't see how it's all going to work out, we can have faith and believe that it's not over because you are God. Lord, we thank you for your love and we thank you for the hope that you bring. We thank you for the gift of your son and we thank you for this week when we, when we focus on the amazing blessings that you pour out upon us. And I pray that as we go from this place today, that we will go in hope. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.